Hello and welcome to the Helping Hand podcast. My name's Pauline Shannon. I'm a mother of three and a reflex integration therapist. Each week I will be meeting someone who helps children and families. I will be asking them what they do and how they do it. We will learn how different therapies can help, how to choose which is right for you and how to find them when you need them. Today I'm talking to Anna Biavati-Smith from Wordstep Speech Therapy. Anna is an independent speech and language therapist and has agreed to come and speak to us about the special therapies that she offers. Hi, Anna. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm so pleased you agreed to come and speak to me, Anna. Um, I'm trying to make people aware of as many different therapies and approaches as I can, and I understand that you have quite a special approach to speech and language therapy. Will you share that with us? I will be delighted. So, As you said, I'm a highly specialised speech and language therapist. And a lot of people think that all we do is deal with speech and language. And I deal with a specific um, pathology called selective mutism. And selective mutism is anxiety in communication. My aim is to to literally spread the word and for the world to know that children, tweens, teens, and unfortunately sometimes adults do not choose not to speak. And this is what you get all the time. Oh, that is the child that is choosing not to speak because the word selective might indicate that they are selecting what not to do, but the selective means that they are selective in where they are whilst communicating and who they can communicate with. So my role is that I'm an expert in communication and selective mutism is more than the fear of talking because communication is more than just using words. So that's what makes me a little bit different because my role is not about give me your words or those other words. It's to empower parents, school and the child to understand the right strategies for that child, but above all to empower the parents and make the child understand about your superpowers. That's really interesting. You're absolutely right. When I thought of a speech and language therapist, I thought about a child who was not able to form the words. So what causes do you come across for selective mutism and how do you approach different individuals to help them? Selective mutism is an anxiety disorder. So it has an anxiety base. Children don't feel comfortable in speaking outside their own home. They don't feel comfortable maybe speaking to a category of people that might be adults. So they will speak to children. So their own peer adults. Or vice versa, they will speak to adults and feel that they can't speak to peers because especially little children find their own peers a little bit unpredictable. 
unfortunately, sometimes um, in the worst case scenario, you also get children, preens and teenagers that actually only speak to family members, close family members, or maybe older family members, but each child is unique. So we obviously have all the strategies and you might read them in books, self-help books and all sorts, but each child is individual. So I have got a very large clinical experience. I've been doing this as my speciality for the past 13 years because I'm a multilingual therapist. So I'm able to do to deliver therapy in more than one language. So I do it mainly in Italian and English, but I could also do it in French or Spanish. Uh, I have a good knowledge of those languages. And once you know one language, you know how to analyze the rest. So it's an anxiety. And what happens is the child feels alarmed. So it's not the mouth that is not moving properly, like a speech and language therapist would look at. That's an extra skill that I see that I have. And I love helping children with their speech. But mainly now, um, you know, I raise awareness. So my therapy, it's 360 degrees. So I train, I teach. And then I also do therapy. So these children almost are in the freeze zone and they have forgotten that they actually can, but they feel like they can't. And that, that goes on for a long period of time. And my role is to make sure outside therapy that teachers and um, nursery practitioners they understand that it's not about a choice and we need to act on it as soon as we see it the process of maturation has a big impact in the child and I'm always pleased to see how children come on really well but if they're freezing and that a brain process overtakes the process of maturation, these children are stuck in this silent world. And a silent child is a forgotten child once that child is in school. I absolutely resonate with the can't want. I think as soon as you change your attitude and understand that children don't do things because they can't do them, instead of don't do things because they won't do them, your whole approach can change and the whole attitude towards the child changes. Anna, if someone were to come to you, what, what does the approach look like? What do they see when they arrive and what process do you go through in a session? So at the moment, obviously during COVID, um, I'm able to do what I do online. Um, and the very first part is about understanding the parent's perspective. So it looks like um, already giving you as the parent the opportunity to offload 
to be listened to and start together at looking at who your child is rather than what your child can and cannot do. And that's a kind of unusual approach because in speech and language therapy, and that's obviously another side of my world as a therapist, is we are going to sound your child can make or what, um, you know, is it intelligible or unintelligible? But with anxiety and communication, it's about looking at the micro and macro observations. So we already start already from the word go, from the first session, in understanding where you are, because you as the parent would have your expectations, you would have your stress, you would have your fears, and all of that are sensed by the child through the mirror neurons. So once we understand that, then we can create a pathway that is different for everyone. The only thing that is the same for everyone is knowledge. Knowledge is power. So I always say to my parents, because then you become my parents, is that you need to learn. And at the beginning of February, um, I launched the very first selective mutism course just for parents. And I say to parents, instead of spending hours listening to me, I created a six and a half hours course, which is divided over 60 different videos and over 50 PDFs. So I will be walking with you, but not necessarily being there with you to empower you with the knowledge. And it's, it's pretty much like a, a mini course. And that helps them totally understand how to shift because I am just there not to say this is what you need to do, but to help them finding the shift that works for them. That's that's fascinating. I love the empowering of parents to help their own kids, because in the end, we're the ones that are at home with the kids every day. I'm interested to know, will you continue your online sessions after COVID or is it just something you're doing just now? Online is a big thing. Um, so I am one of the few experts at the moment in this field. And I'm saying at the moment because my aim is to train more therapists. So five years ago, uh, together with another group of therapists all over the country, we have created what we call the, the National Selective Mutism CEN, as in C-E-N, which is the Clinical Excellent Network. So across the UK, um, there aren't that many therapists who have specialised in selective mutism. And in Scotland, we're only a handful. We're lucky if we have five therapists for the whole of Scotland. And because I'm multilingual, and I'm able to do what I do in the UK and in other countries, I get people literally from all over the world. So I have people that, for example, Brits that live abroad. So they live in Spain, but because they know that I speak Spanish, I could relate and understand what they need. 
So to be honest, um, I do what I do in the comfort of their own home, because actually, although there is a lot of COVID, but traveling to come to see me, sometimes it's a big, big journey. And again, all depends on the child. So I'd like to say to you, oh, well, that's the protocol. So I have a couple of steps which are common for everyone. But from the moment I start speaking to them, I know, oh, we could do a bit of this and a bit of that. And mine is an integrated approach. So I'm an educational psychologist for trade. That's what I did when I was young. Um, and then I specialized in speech therapy. But I have got the passion not only to share knowledge, but to learn. So I've done many courses in neuropsychologists and neuroscience is what drives my way of working. So it's the body and mind connection and selective mutism is way more than the fear of talking. So if a child wants to show you something, um, it's not because he can't say it, he will feel comfortable coming to you and point to the teddy or to the puzzle that he wants to get because that is communication and children with selective mutism if they are in the frozen stage they won't even be able to lift their arm and share with you their need so as a speech and language therapist we always look at the 11 prerequisite of language. And sharing is one of the first things. Think of your child at the age of seven months. Even before that, sometimes the first thing that they do is oh, they see a duck and they point to the duck and then they look at you and then they point to the duck. They're really saying to you, look, mommy, that's a duck. I have seen a duck. Can you see that? But they don't have the language but they are communicating with you. So this is what people fail to understand. The selective mutism is more than the fear of talking. It's not about that they can't say or they won't say duck, but for them to initiate to, for example, a nursery practitioner or a granny, they feel uncomfortable speaking to you because the fear is fear-driven. Or look, granny, I've seen a duck, I like it, but I'm sharing that with you. So facial expressions, body movement, eye contact, that's all part of the motor strip in our brain. So why do we only concentrate on mouth and jaw movement? Are there degrees of mutism that you deal with? Obviously, it's really obvious to see if your child doesn't speak at school or doesn't speak at home. But are there other indicators that might show us that this is an issue which aren't necessarily as clear cut as that? Now, first of all, the first thing to notice is the discrepancy between the use of language and communication and body movement whilst your child is at home. So I often hear oh, she's a menace, or oh, she's very active, she's so chatty, she's so chatting, and your child changes as soon as they're outside the front door. 
parents describe to me this Jekyll and Hyde. They go to the supermarket and all of a sudden they are nowhere to be heard and they, they are nowhere to be seen. So that's what I mean by macro and micro observation. Observe how your child is in the world. And that, that is really the basics of mindfulness. Do you feel that your child is grounded? Is actually part of what you're doing. So you notice that you go around the supermarket and your child is looking down, he's not looking at anyone. Now I'm describing you as what we call the level zero. So there are eight levels in the steps of community of um, confident speaking. So level zero is when your child is literally inside the tunnel of fear. So they are alarmed at 100%. So the world to them, so that is their perception, represents the enemy. The world out there is very anxiety provoking, no matter where you are and who you're with. But you're right. You will notice that there are children that they are not as frozen, but there is always that difference between chat, 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 chat at home with all of you, with granny and auntie and, you know, the whole extensive family. But they go to nursery or to school and you hear the teacher saying, I have never heard your child speaking or your child is only whispering. Or your child is only speaking to peers, but not to adults. So can you see there is obviously a degree. So obviously, the more we understand how the child communicates, the more precise strategies and therapy is going to be to help them. So Anna, if people are seeing these kind of behaviours at home, if they're concerned about where and when their child is communicating and they want to get in touch with, with you or someone like you to help them, how do they go about that? So um, a lot of people might say go to your GP, but you're very lucky that speech and language therapist department across the whole of the United Kingdom, but in particular in Scotland, you can pick up the phone and do a self-referral for an NHS, speech and language therapy um, appointment. If people are looking for a specialist, I am one of five. So it's most likely that I come up because, um, I don't know, I suppose it's because of my blog, of the fact that I'm also a YouTuber, because I do training. You know, if you, if you do type selective mutism, Edinburgh, Selective Mutism Scotland, I do come up uh, because it is my passion. That's what I breathe and live and I see Selective Mutism everywhere in order to help people. I want to help people understand, but really for people that they are listening to this and they don't live locally to us, not that it really matters to me, but they want somebody more local and they are thinking, well, the waiting lists for speech and language therapy are too long. I don't really want to wait. They can go through um, an association called ASLTIP, which is the Association of Speech and Language Therapists in Independent Practice. And it's www.helpwithtalking.com. And through uh, putting your postcode and what you're thinking that your child is, you know, kind of you have an idea, 
and you know my child is not speaking or might be selective mutism you can you can tick it and then we'll give you the nearest therapist that is specialized in whatever you're looking for and um, nearest to you that's great thank you Anna we've run out of time but it's been great talking to you and I hope that that will give another option to people who are working with children who are struggling to speak in certain areas of their life thank you very much for your time thank you so much for having me You've been listening to the Helping Hand podcast, connecting families with help and support when they need it. If you want more information or to find a therapist near you, go to helpinghandonline.co.uk.